Amos chapter number 8, verse number 11. I'm going to talk to you just a little bit about the voice of God this morning. If you find your place, you've found your place, it's stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. It's a little bit difficult book to find sometimes if you're not real familiar with your Bible. But the book of Amos, one of the little minor prophets, Amos chapter number 8, and I'll give you just another second. I want to say again, I appreciate you being in the house of the Lord today. I appreciate God's sweet Holy Spirit being here. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, God's dealt with my heart, and there are individuals in this building this morning. If you're wondering, God has been speaking to you, and He will speak to you one more time today, I believe. And you need to just be tender to the voice of God. And you need to be obedient to the voice of God. Amos chapter number 8, one verse, well, I'll do two verses, verse number 11 and 12. And Amos chapter number 8 and verse number 11 said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east and they shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. And I want to talk to you this morning just a little bit on the subject of when God stops talking. When you look into this scripture this morning I think it's significant to see that the Lord speaking to the nation of Israel, and you already know this morning that I'm about to make a spiritual application of this scripture. But he's telling the nation of Israel that there is going to come a time that there will be a famine in their land. And it's not just a natural famine, but it's a famine that God himself has brought upon these people now I want you to pay close attention this morning. I'll give you some things very quickly. First of all, a famine is a lack of food. And typically, that famine or lack of food, it could have been caused by several different things. There could have been a pestilence. There could have been some kind of blight on the crops. But typically, a famine was brought about by the lack of rain, by the lack of moisture, and a lack of water. There may be this morning, and you see the spiritual applications this morning, there may be an abundance of good ground, of soil. And that's a type of the hearts of unregenerate men. There may be an abundance of soil this morning. There may be an abundance of seed. And we still have the good seed of the words of God this morning. There may be an abundance of seed. And there may be an abundance of laborers. And that's a type of men that would go forth to spread the seed and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you put all of those elements together, they're absolutely, totally, and completely in vain if the rain don't fall. What are you saying, Preacher Mike? Throughout the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God is foreshadowed or typified by water. 
Still water in the Word of God is a type and a picture of the Scriptures themselves of the Word of God. But anytime you see moving or running water in the Word of God, whether it's a river or a stream or rain falling from the sky, that's a picture of the working of the Holy Ghost of God. And apart from the working of the Holy Ghost of God, men can't get saved. This morning, the Holy Spirit of God is very real. I'm sorry this morning, and I apologize that in the day that we live in, there are so many charlatans, there's so much foolishness in the name of Christ that people would stand on television and say that if you'll send me a $100 bill, God will send you a 1000 And if you'll send me a $1,000 check, I'll pray over it, and all your problems are going to be over with. I mean, a blind man on a galloping horse could see that's not God but I'm telling you this morning that the Holy Spirit of God is very real he is the dearest friend I've ever had he's the greatest thing I've ever known in my life he comes to me he loves me and he takes my troubles and bears my burdens and he is very real to me this morning of all the things that I would challenge Christians this morning I mean folks that have really been born in the Spirit of God I challenge you just be real I mean, just be real and let God work in your life. It bugs me, people that talk in Scripture verses all the time. I don't think they're real. I mean, I love God and I probably know just about as much of this book as most folks do, but I don't talk in Scripture verses all the time. And I'm real and I have problems. Just like you have problems. If you'd have seen me a little bit after 3 o'clock this morning when I had two different inkjet printers to break down on me, you'd have realized that I have problems just like everybody else does. But it's not the problems that you have or that you don't have. It's what you have to face those problems with. And I could face my problems knowing beyond any shadow of a doubt that no matter what comes, the blessed Holy Ghost of God is my friend and my comfort this morning. And it takes the Spirit of God for salvation. In order for a man to ever be saved by the grace of God, he has to hear the voice of God. There has to be a tender one-on-one invitation When a man hears the blessed Spirit of God call his name. You say, Brother Mike, can you explain that? I mean, is it an audible voice? No, it's not an audible voice. It's a whole lot louder than that. When God that created the world and spoke this world into existence and the Word of God said He meted out the oceans in the palm of His hand when He speaks, you won't have any trouble knowing you've heard from another world. I mean, when something comes by and invades your space and makes you uncomfortable and lets you know you're in a holy presence and you begin to hear that voice speak to you, you'll know who it is. You won't have to call up Oprah and find out whether it's God or not, you'll know. It don't rain everywhere all at the same time. You know that? That means that'd do you well if you want to get somewhere and grow some crops. You better get somewhere where it's raining. You better get your weather forecast and find out when and where it's going to rain at. If you want to get some help from God, you better get around where the Holy Spirit is. There are three distinct things and three distinct issues that I see in this scripture. I'll give you these. I'll give you three points and three subpoints. We'll go to the house. The first thing I see this morning, and a lot of men preach this in different ways, 
The first thing I see this morning, and you can see this if you'll look around, there is a famine in the day that we live in of doctrinal truth. There is a famine just to the simple truth of the Word of God. Now, I don't have to look very far at false cults and folks like the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Seventh-day Adventists and all that kind of silliness. I mean, they ain't been around but for a few years. That's a newfangled thing, and I don't have to look very close at that to see the errors that are involved in it. I believe one of the reasons folks are confused today is they won't read their Bible. They don't have any idea what this book says. There was this precious little Roman Catholic lady from up in Minnesota. And I was preaching in Missoula, Montana, and that precious lady was there. And she began to give her testimony about how she got saved. And she said, Preacher Mike, she said, I was Roman Catholic. I was born and bred Roman Catholic, and I ate and slept Roman Catholicism. And she said, one day I decided as a young lady that since I'm a Roman Catholic, and she got a hold of a Bible, she said, I should read the book of Romans. And she said, I began as a young Roman Catholic lady to read the book of Romans. And when I began to read that book, I found out that my religion said and did things that were diametrically opposed to what that book said. And she said, I began to wonder and had a crisis of faith and began to see there must be something more to it than what I've got. But today we live in a time and a place where there is a famine of genuine doctrinal truth. I mean, we've got so many men that are so interested in a parsonage and a paycheck and scratching everybody on the back and being some kind of politician and kissing all the babies and making everybody happy. They ain't going to preach on nothing. You ain't going to hear no truth. I had a precious gentleman that called me and left a message, wrote a letter. As a matter of fact, he sent a contribution to the church for the CD ministry. He picked up some CDs in Apple House over on 16, Brother Tracy had left. This man called me and his tore up and his church was in a mess. And he said they had a new pastor that would come in. And he said, Brother Mike, he said, I've listened to those CDs. And he said, all that stuff you preach about, I ain't heard none of that in my church. They don't preach none of that stuff. He said, he don't ever say nothing about having a positive attitude and being good. And you can look inside the walls of fundamental so-called independent Baptist churches this morning. Find that men have lost the doctrinal truth of what it really means to be born of the Spirit of God. Salvation's coming to an altar and saying a prayer and being baptized. That's not salvation. A bit more than a cow can jump over the moon. If it don't change your life, it's not salvation. There's a famine of doctrinal truth, but this morning there is a famine of spirit-filled truth. You see, the truth all by itself, uh, a child cannot be born of one parent. There's got to be two parents. You already know that. You country folks understand that. But the Word of God by itself cannot produce life without the working of the Holy Spirit. This book is alive just as much as a woman is alive. But that woman without a husband can't produce a child. This is a living word, but that without the work of the Holy Ghost of God to plant that seed, this word by itself don't bring forth life. It takes the work of the Holy Ghost of God. There is a famine this morning. It breaks my heart. I've been in a lot of places, been with a lot of men. And I was down in central Florida a few years ago, and I I met a precious man that should have been one of the heroes of the faith. 
And he had walked with some other great men, and he had been a dear, precious friend of Oliver B. Green and other men that I could mention, and they were going to have him come on a morning service and preach in that special meeting we were at. And I was so looking forward to that precious man of God coming. And he had stories to tell Brother Wesley of times and places he had been with God. But I watched that precious snowy-haired gentleman, that elder man of God, stand up in that pulpit that morning and give doctrinal truth. And it was as dry and dead as last year's bird nest. Buddy, you can have truth this morning, but truth by itself without that anointing of the Holy Ghost of God won't do folks much good. But I'll tell you another famine that I see this morning. The Word of God said a famine of the hearing of the Word of God. You know what I see a famine of this morning? I see a famine of people with ears that they'd even listen and try to hear what God's got to say. I'll give you some things about how men get in that condition. How could men literally get to the place where they have no ear for the gospel and they cannot hear what God says? Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit of God this morning, you can't have an ear to hear from God. Did you know this morning that when folks in the book of Acts spoke in tongues, there was a miracle of speaking in tongues, but it was just as much a miracle, the hearing of the tongues that they spoke? Men spoke in one language and men heard it in a different language. Did you know this morning for you to ever hear the tender wooing of the blessed Lamb of God is a miracle of hearing that God does in your ears to let you hear God tell you you're lost, to let God tell you to come unto Him and He'd give you rest. That's a miracle of hearing this morning. But how do men get to a place where they cannot hear God? Number one, when God begins to speak, men begin to reason that voice away. They begin to reason that word away and they begin to reason that truth away. When Satan spoke to Eve in Genesis chapter number 2, you remember the word of God said that that serpent was more subtle than any of the beasts of the field. When that serpent began to speak to Eve, you remember what he said? He said, hath God said... He put a big question mark in her mind and said, Did God really say that? There's folks that sit in this building this morning and God the Holy Ghost just spoke to your heart and rung your bell and somehow you've tried to reason it away. And in your heart and mind you said, Is that really God speaking to me? And you reasoned the Word of God away. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And preacher Mike stands up and says that if you've ever been saved by the grace of God, there's a day, there's a moment, there's a pinpoint in time, in eternity, where you can go back to and say, this is where my life changed. But yet men would argue with that and they'd say, I don't really have a salvation experience where I can say that things just changed at that moment, but I'm all right. I mean, I believe I'm all right with God. I'm a good person and I believe I love God. But yet they would wrestle with the Word of God and they would get into the place where they'd try to reason away the truth of God. You know why that is? Flesh likes to be in control. 
flesh likes to bring God down to a place where you can meet God on your level and you can get God on your terms. But this morning, God does not save men on their own terms. God saves men on His terms. That's when they come to Him with faith and repentance in a childlike simplicity that says, God, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and I don't understand all the complexities of this, but God, I need help. Thank God for someone getting to a place where they realize they need some help and they just go to God. They don't know what to pray. They don't know what to say. They just say, God, here I am. I'm a sinner. God, fix me. Number two, men get in this position when they begin to resist the Holy Spirit of God. That's the next step. To resist means to meet with opposing force. That's when the Holy Spirit of God begins to draw a man. There's individuals that I've watched in this building, and I've seen, and I'm not picking, and I'm not being pointed. But I could come lay my hand on the shoulders of individuals in this building. And I've watched you and the blessed Spirit of God come by and begin to tug you. And there was an inner draw and an inner concern in you to get in this altar and cry out for mercy. And you'd stand back and hold on and hold back and try to figure this thing out and try to reason this thing out and try to resist this thing. And in your resistance, you'd say, God, what would people think if I went forward? My soul, if there's any place on God's planet, then it ought to be easy for lost church members to get in the family of God. It ought to be at Flint Hill Baptist Church. I mean, there are folks sitting around know where you've been. They know what you're going through and they understand. But yet in your pride and your arrogance, you'd hold back and resist the Holy Ghost of God. What would people think? God, this is going to make me look foolish. Then the next step leads to rejection. Men have reasoned away the Holy Ghost of God. Men have resisted the Holy Ghost of God. Now man has to make a conscious decision. They choose themselves and their pride over humbling themselves before God. But I'll tell you what, when I was lost, Brother Robert, there wasn't a prouder man on this planet than Brother Mike Reeves was when I was lost. I was so arrogant and full of pride, I ought to have been slapped. I mean, somehow just jack slapped me. I was so full of myself. But I tell you what, when God began to work in my soul, God began to break me down the night I got saved. I wouldn't have minded if the President of the United States, and I don't even know who he was then, but it wouldn't have bothered me if he had been standing there. It wouldn't have mattered if my mom and daddy, my wife, or whoever it was was standing there. I was aching and hurting so bad. I needed some help so bad. I didn't care who was looking. And if you ever get saved by the grace of God, you've got to get to a place where nothing else matters but getting to God. But when men begin to resist God, men make a conscious decision to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. At which point you are no longer in control. There comes a time in the lives and in the hearts of men when they can so reject the Holy Spirit of God that there comes a removal. A removal of the Holy Ghost of God. God removes the ears so that man can't hear. If God don't give you an ear, you can't hear. And if you push away the hand that reaches to help you, you won't have an ear. And it wouldn't matter how much I preach, Brother Wesley. 
I could cough up my liver on the communion table and drain my blood out in the offering plates and nothing would move you if God don't give you an ear to hear the Word of God. You say, Brother Mike, when somebody gets in that shape, what's the remedy for that? Word of God says over in the book of Proverbs, He that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed. And that, are you listening? And that without remedy. There does come a place in a man or woman or a young person's life when they've so resisted and they've so offended the Holy Spirit of God, they've rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and God removes the Holy Spirit and there is no remedy for their problem. Could you imagine being alive this morning, going through your life, going through your job, dealing with your family on a daily basis, knowing that you're damned because God has decided in His sovereignty that He will not speak to you. I believe in a whosoever will salvation. There's no Calvinistic thoughts in my mind. But this morning, I do not believe in a whensoever will salvation. You don't just wake up one morning and decide you're going to get saved. You see, we've sent a lot of folks to hell training them and teaching them that you can just, you're in control of this thing. You can do what you want to do anytime you want to do it. God's sovereign and God's holy. And when God offers grace, it's God that's in control and not man. But the Word of God said, The grace that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Hebrews chapter 2 says that Jesus suffered death for every man. They can all get in. But just not any time they want to. You say, Brother Mike, what are you saying? I'm saying my very last point today is that when God speaks, you better respond when God the Holy Ghost calls your name, you better respond. See, what a lot of folks don't understand is that they say no to the Holy Ghost of God and they say, God, I'll do this later. That's one of the great tricks that the devil likes to play on folks is to get you to put it off and say, you'll get saved later. God, I'll take care of this some other time, some other place. I wonder how many people in this building could testify this morning that when God began to deal with you in secret somewhere, you got off, my wife did, bow down beside the bed in secret and try to get saved. But I tell you what, God didn't leave you in control of this thing. And every time you say no to God, every time you say no to the blessed Holy Ghost of God, the next time He speaks, it's easier to say no. And what you do is you harden your heart. Let me look in the very last portion of the book of Acts, chapter number 28 and verse number 25. When they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost, by saith the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing, ye shall hear and not understand. Seeing, ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross. That word gross means to thicken or to harden. And the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. God said a man can so harden his heart 
A man can so stop his ears, a man can so close his eyes, that God the Holy Ghost will no longer deal with him. There is a famine in the land today. There's a famine of just simple biblical truth. But today we've got truth. There is a famine today of the presence of the Holy Ghost of God to anoint services. But we've had the blessed presence of the sweet Holy Ghost of God in our presence today. But it makes no difference this morning how much God comes around or how much truth spoken. If you don't have an ear, you can't receive it. And if you deafen your ear and you harden your heart to God, there'll come a time where the preaching of the Word of God won't have any effect on you. The only real solution to this is very simple. When God speaks to you, would you just obey? Would you just do what God says do? I look around this building and I see folks all over this building this morning. You were lost and unregenerate without God. And the Holy Ghost of God began to speak to you and it scared you. You were terrified. You were frightened. When God began to speak to you, God finally wore you out to a place where you buckled under and you submitted and surrendered yourself to God. I watched some of you come running out of those pews and fall down in this altar and weep. I'm sorry. And when you did that, the relief that came upon your soul when God lifted the burden of sin. And I'm sure some of you had that look on your face that said, Why in the world have I resisted this? Why in the world would I push against this joy? Why in the world would I fight against the love that God has shed abroad in my soul? Why in the world would I fight so hard against what God wanted to do for me? Pride. Arrogancy. That's why you got to have that special atmosphere that makes it easy for people to know they're loved, they're cared about. You know, when people love you and they care about you and they see you're struggling, they don't laugh at you. When people love you, Brother Allen, and they care about you and they see you struggling, they get in there and go with you and work with you and try to support you and try to help you. This morning, if you're hearing God the sweet spirit spoke to your heart, there's folks around you that love you that care for you. They wouldn't laugh at you. They wouldn't make fun of you. They'd even crawl in an altar beside of you and pray with you and ask God to help you. I want the girls to come in just a minute, but I want you to bow your heads this morning. Close your eyes. Nobody looking. I wonder right quick this morning, we're going to sing a song here in just a minute, give you an opportunity if God's speaking to you to just step out of your pew and kneel down this altar and ask God for mercy. But I wonder if there'd be one this morning. You'd be honest. There's nobody looking. It's just me. It's just an opportunity for you to be honest. You'd slip up your hand and say, Preacher, I, I, I couldn't raise my hand a minute ago. But I am interested and I don't want to grieve God and push Him away. And I believe God's dealt with me and I believe God's spoken to me. Would you pray for me that God would help me? Or maybe you'd say, Would you pray for me that God would speak to me? And you'd just slip your hand up right now and say, Preacher, would you pray for me? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, son. I appreciate you being honest. I wonder who else would just join these this morning. Just be honest. Just slip your hand up. Just God bless you, huh? Just be real gentle. Slip it up. Now, there's folks that care about you here this morning. There's nobody here to make fun of you or to try to hurt you. 
I told you I'd pray for you. And I care this morning. There's folks in this building this morning. God, the sweet spirit broke my heart yesterday. And on into the morning this morning, God broke my heart over you. And I've called your name out. See, my prayer won't fix you. There's a decision that you have to make if God speaks, if He calls. Will you respond? It's personal. It's between you and Him. There's an altar here, just a, just a little step, a little platform, a little place where you can kneel down. You say, Brother Mike, I don't know what to pray and I don't know how to pray. You see, that's the simplicity of this. You don't need to know what to say. You don't need to know how to pray. It's just a simple heart cry that says, God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I want you. God, would you save me? I mean, whatever you say, God, understand your language. God, help me. God, forgive me. Whatever you say, would you be willing this morning? We're going to sing. We're going to sing. While we sing this morning, if you have that need, I want you to come to this altar.